My, my name is Knut Peterson. Uh, thanks very much, James, for enlightening us on some of the facts and figures. I would like to ask you uh, if you can look in your crystal ball, do you think that the future of healthcare will be don't get sick? Well, that's a, that's a pretty good future. <clears throat> it's always good not to get sick. Um, it brings to mind the second phase of Medicare, actually, which is prevention. And, um, you know, uh, Tommy Douglas said that the first phase, getting the uh, hospitals and doctors into the universal plan was the easy part, and that, that we had to look at prevention in the long run, not only... Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the costs over the future of Medicare, but also in terms of the kind of society we wanted to live in. Um, many examples, uh, you know, it, the present uh, budget in Alberta, 1%, just 1% of the entire budget is for public health, for example. Uh, you know, this is the stitch in time saving nine concept. We can certainly uh, gain the benefits down the road on prevention, but uh, that's not the model that they're using. But I agree with you. Don't get sick. That's the best. I'm Bev Mundell-Atherstone. Thanks, James. We all know that this is, um, this is happening, and it's good to uh, have various ways to look at the numbers. Um, I was just down in California visiting my my family, and went to visit my uncle, who's 81 years old. He had a stroke a year ago, just prior to Christmas last year. Um, it was a left hemisphere stroke. He was in the hospital when he had the stroke. But um, even though he was right there, they couldn't, couldn't do much to protect his brain. He now is paralyzed on his right, his entire right side. He has no speech. Um, he could recognize us and was happy to see us and gave me a big hug and smiled. Initially, he was in a uh, special long-term care facility in which the family paid an extra $1,000 a month. At that facility, he got um, daily physiotherapy, um, was able to get water therapy, and had a communication board and therapist. The family could no longer pay the extra 1000 a month without becoming bankrupt or being on the streets themselves. So now he's in what we would call a designated assisted living facility. Um, he lies in the bed most of the day. He's not able to, he doesn't have an electric bed to put himself up. And um, he does have a wheelchair that he's able to operate with his feet. So it, it seems to me, from what you're saying, with Canada having so much money available in our health care system, that since the insurance companies have riddled the U.S. system, now they're looking north, want to come here, and that Alberta is the first stopping point, and we're at the thin edge of the wedge. What would you say to that? I think there's um, some validity in that that line of thought. Um, we've certainly seen the, uh, the increasing encroachment on our system by things like the Copeman Clinic. Um, there's been a number of violations which haven't been addressed 
federally, which where they should be addressed. Um, I think also, though, it's not just the money that's there to, for the taking for those insurance companies. I think it's perhaps even more, um, you know, the fact of a viable and sustainable and well-loved system of Medicare that stands as a model and, for example, uh, was referred to by the American president recently. Um, you know, if, if that model exists and uh, we're, you know, closer to Americans uh, than any other people on earth, both from proximity, friendship, uh, family connections across the border, um, you know, they know about Canada and they know about Medicare. And as long as our system represents uh, that viable alternative, it's, it's uh, pretty nasty for the insurance companies. If, if they could destroy it or, 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 or uh, assimilate it or, or somehow twist it into their uh, homo economicus mode, you know, then the example wouldn't be there. So, so I think it's not just the money, that's, that's the, it's the model that they, they're looking at. And yes, it's, uh, you know, uh, conservative government of Alberta has consistently, uh, you know, resented and, and when they're in power, they've, they've uh, you know, done various uh, uh, ways of trying to snip away at, at public Medicare. And when they're not in power or during an election, they, they don't tell us. They, they don't tell us what they're going to do when they're elected. They do it after they're elected. So something for people to be aware of. Thank you, James, for all the information. Michael Cormack, I'm here. Um, I also happen to be involved in uh, Friends of Medicare, as you know. And uh, I would ask you what should or could people here and out on the street be doing, given that what you say is correct? What should we all be doing in order to maintain Medicare? Yeah, um, well, I think, I think uh, continue doing what's doing, especially like Friends of Medicare has done a lot of things in, in Alberta and locally. Um, you know, the, the, the routines of... Uh, Writing, phoning, letting your MLAs know, I think it's extremely effective, especially probably in Alberta where you have um, MLAs who start worrying about their jobs because it's an issue that's dear to the heart of Albertans. And if you're not supporting Medicare in Alberta, if your uh, rural uh, hospital is disappearing, if you know your cytology lab disappears when these things start happening to people they feel them very strongly and and uh i think that some of the uh uh perturbations within the conservative caucus are probably a result of people reacting and making their 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 feelings known um i think we have to be very diligent on this i think um you know, the demonstrations that Friends of Medicare did uh, and with other groups are, are really effective. They, they represent um, a, a dissent, a, a very uh, useful um, and democratic measure in, in a society, and they're well-received um, and ill-received by the uh, homo economicus models in the Conservative Party. So... You know, consistency with that and, of course, 
you know, during the, any election, make sure you, uh, you know, hold the fire of the candidates, uh, you know, their feet to the fire on Medicare if, if you're concerned. And, and ask the questions and say, you know, are, how can I be sure you're going to implement what you're saying? Like, don't, don't back off on that one. That's, that's too important. Bob McRae. Um, a couple of things. I have contacted uh, Mr. Stelmack by mail and uh, never had a response from him or Mr. Wiedek on both my replies, but I did get an answer from Mr. Lippert and wasn't satisfactory. But that's not the point I want to make. <clears throat> you came up with uh, two figures. 50% um, of the homeless in the U.S. is a result of uh, Medicare or lack of insurance. Yes. And 50% of the bankruptcies. <clears throat> I'm just wondering where you got these figures and how it was arrived at, both at 50%. Um the figures are, uh, there was a study done in California by a bunch of American doctors in favor of Medicare. That was a statistic from uh, um, the bankruptcies. I think that one's pretty well established. The homeless statistic is one that I've heard recently. And uh, I, I didn't check, you know, the research credentials of it very well, but it seemed to me to be uh, valid okay. from what I did see already. Mr. Mitchell? Just want to change gears and focus on the doctors. Um, we uh, get very concerned about uh, the assisted living beds and that sort of thing, but uh, we do have a shortage of doctors, I think, certainly in this community, and I think uh, no doubt in the rural communities. And I'm wondering if you could comment on that in terms of their remuneration. Uh, why why are they leaving? Where are they going? Is this an urban uh, rural thing. Uh, could you give us some insights on that? Um, yes, this is this is a bit difficult. I think um, we've we've recently seen in Milk River where a doctor's come out of retirement and they're struggling to have a, a physician there. Um, um, there are uh, different movements. I know that in Ontario there's a movement to recruit a lot of people from rural communities into medical schools and also to use some distance education modalities to allow them to continue part of their education by not having to go to a city. Um, the hope is that this will make people more uh, willing to practice medicine in rural communities. There's been other solutions where they've brought in you know, doctors from other countries in Manitoba, for example, and they've, they've mandated them that they have to do five years in rural communities. Um, it's it's um, probably another point would be when you, when you take, um, you know, a policy decision to start closing rural hospitals and centralizing your, your medical specialities in cities, you're actually... Um, perhaps inadvertently, but certainly uh, one of the consequences is that doctors are not likely to, uh, as well to stay. If there, is a, if there are hospital facilities available to them in the rural areas, I'm sure it's much more attractive to be a doctor. I mean, what are you going to do as a doctor if you don't have a hospital? At, at some point, you're, you're, you're limited and, and you're going to follow uh, uh, the policy. And so you definitely have to... Um, you know, with a lot of forethought, um, 
develop policies to encourage, um, you know, the, the rural communities and the doctors to go out there. But I think that that would segue into farming, probably, because with the huge farms, you know, at one point um, there were a lot of people out, out in the country as well. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty complicated question you're asking. I don't have an immediate solution for it. Hi, my name is Darcy Gunlock, and I was a member of the now defunct community um, health councils. Uh, we had a lot of issues about administration. Um, do you have any numbers on the cost of administration versus the cost of actual the cost of administration versus the cost of actual uh, service provision within Medicare? We we as a council were concerned that there was so much it was so administratively heavy on the top end that the majority of the money was going to administration as opposed to provision of service. So do you have a breakdown on what those numbers would be at all? In regards to specifically or? Within our whole Medicare system, like there was a concern back when oh. we sat on the health councils that there was too much administration and if we streamlined administration, uh, got rid of half the administrative positions, took that money and put it back into your doctors, your nurses, your rural uh, facilities, that you'd be able to balance the budget by not having as much administration. Yeah. That They never did allow us to address those issues yeah. or give us any answers. Yes, I, I, think, <clears throat> I think that what you're speaking to is significant in two ways. One is, um, you know, for example, when we see numbers thrown around like... Uh, I think the last numbers I saw were something like uh, Mr. Duckett saying that he had, he was anticipating expenses of about 11 billion and he had revenue of 10 billion. I mean, I'm not sure if we can accept those numbers at face value. I think that we might want to look at some kind of auditing of numbers like that. Um, I don't think that they have that. I don't. I don't see where. You know, Alberta is particularly concerned about letting um, or, or, or uh, requiring auditing and of, of the numbers that they're using in healthcare. Certainly, um, uh, uh, you know, administrative efficiencies are are always in order, but there's also a tendency for empire building in in hierarchical administrations. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of costs, as there inevitably must be with this vast administrative challenge of amalgamating uh, nine health regions and, you know, sorting out a top-down uh, structure. Um, but in general, yeah, if you, if you have a, a, a universal system, your costs are way less. I know that in, in, in the United States where the administrative costs are 30%, the Canadian costs are a fraction of that, but no doubt, uh, you know, you want the, the workers uh, working and, and that's the front end and, and that's what people see. So, yeah, you need, you need some uh, independent auditing of the system to, to come up with those numbers. I, I don't have them. Are there any further questions? Am I on? Okay. Are there any further questions? Oh, good. My name is Gore Hickman, and uh, we had a discussion at our coffee get-together 
three or four days ago as a result of the, uh, an article in the Lethbridge Herald that quoted uh, a retiring board member from the Chinook Health Region as getting a, what sounded like a very healthy pension. Um, my question is when board members or people who have been on hospital boards retire and get a pension, does the pension continue to come out of the health care budget or does it come out of the general revenue of the province? Uh, because if it comes out of the health care budget, every time we change hospital boards, we go from a hospital board to a district board, and then we go from district board to a super board, and every time we change, there's a dozen or more men get a good husky pension and a good payout out of it, and if it all comes out of the health care budget, no darn wonder we're starting running out of money in the budget. Well, well, thanks for that question. That's that's uh, I, I hadn't I haven't ever thought about that. Um, if um, we we've seen, for example, amazing pensions like Jack Davis, uh, uh, former CEO of Calgary Health District, got not only I think it was uh, twenty six thousand dollars a month plus five million on top of that. Uh, I think Mr. Leeper paid that out of his budget, at least it looked like it, because he spoke about honoring con about the importance of honoring contracts. He did not uh, speak about the importance of honoring contracts when he spoke about the upcoming negotiations and the fact that the nurses were upcoming and the Health Science Association have another year to run. And, and, and he actually seemed to be hinting that, that maybe those contracts should be dishonored. Um, once again, it's that entitlement for the entitled. Um, very good question. Uh, I think that should be brought up. Uh, I will try and bring it up at a higher level. Uh, does the money come from general revenue? Does the money come from uh, Minister of Health? I, I, I like that question. I, I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, it'd be nice to know. Thanks, James. Uh, you were right that the crisis in healthcare exists, and you suggested it's a monetary one, and it is that. But the real crisis, in my view, is a crisis of democracy. The crisis is us. We have allowed bad government to take over the place where the people of Alberta deserve the best government. We have allowed uh, the most secretive legislature of Canada to exist in Alberta with figures that have been locked away for 15 years, unseeable in the judicial sense for 15 years to go by. Most particularly, however, we have allowed only 40% of the electoral vote possible in Alberta, only 40% of the people go to polls and elect a government. 60% don't care, stay home. We are now on about to see a, a third party develop in Alberta, third, fourth party 
developed in Alberta, which is going to be considerably more right of the existing government. The existing government in cahoots with Mr. Harper has not put into effect the Medical Care Act of Canada. If the Medical Care Act in Canada were put into effect in Alberta, the private enterprise in Calgary that is building, growing in pharmacy and drugs would not exist. In a word now, we have allowed the government to shift the public responsibility of Medicare, a huge historical responsibility to the aged, the infirm, the children, to everybody like that. We have allowed that to shift from the public responsibility of us all to the private system resembled in the, in the United States. And uh, that is uh, uncongenial to the Canada Health, Health Act. So, in a word, we have failed ourselves. We are failed democracy, and we are failing the tenements that Mr. Douglas and others have, are putting into effect in, in, in this country. That, I believe, is the crisis for Medicare. I guess that answers itself. Uh, thanks, James. Austin Fennell here. Uh, thanks for your address. You raised lots of interesting questions. The question I want to ask is, do we know in southern Alberta whether the mentally handicapped or the mentally ill are being marginalized? Do we have any information about that? If people weren't getting... Um, their hips dealt with uh, for 18 months, and that one got resolved. Um, what's happening in southern Alberta with the needs of the mentally ill? Um, I, I don't have a specific answer for that, uh, Austin, but when you see the, the, uh, you know, the psychiatric hospital in Edmonton actually being shut down, I don't think it bodes well at all for Alberta. When... Um, you see the budget for developmentally disabled people cut just before Christmas by $11 million. It doesn't bode well for the mentally ill. When you see, when you hear, as I did today, uh, social workers talking about because of the no hiring policy, that their caseloads are too immense, that they're burning out, that they're not able to help people then it doesn't bode well for the mentally ill. When you see the complete severance of the budget for the Wild Rose Foundation, you know, which was sort of the administration for a number of volunteer organizations, it doesn't bode well. And um, I, I think that yes, yes, this all to me looks like marginalization. It, it doesn't look like any... Uh, uh, action from, a, you know, a, a thoughtful... Uh, a government, it looks like the action of this homo economicus again. You know, just whack off the bits on the outside. Who's less likely to complain? You know, the seniors are weak. The, the mentally ill are weak. Let's, let's have a go at them. Uh, you know, we're not picking on the, uh, the rich heart attack patients here. We're not cutting cardiovascular because we might need that ourselves. But let's go at these other people and marginalize them and cut them out. 
James, I have a question um, to, to do with cost. I don't think there are enough people, citizens of Alberta, that really get it, what it would do to their lives if we did not have our, our Medicare system. I don't think they know that when they visit the doctor, for example, if they had to pay out of pocket for that visit, what it would cost them. I don't think they know what it would cost them uh, when they go for some lab work or an x-ray or have their appendix out or, or far more major, major, major health issues than that. How, how it could totally, 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 even a wealthy person could be devastated if they had to pay bills out of pocket. Is there any way do you know of where we can get that information and to show it, to say this is, this is what this procedure in total would cost you, for example, cardiac surgery, and break it down you know, into the, all the lab work, all the, all the various components, and let people know how very expensive th these are, and if we're not paying for them through our taxes and have to pay for them out of pocket or through private insurance companies, just what that would be like. I just don't think people get it. I'm, I'm sure a person could get quotes on, on such things from uh, American facilities. You know, you could probably just phone down and say, uh, I want a, a, a triple bypass, um, comparing charges. Isn't that what the, uh, you know, this whole idea of uh, choice is about? It would be really useful to get some of those numbers and show people what they think their, their system is, is uh, <coughs> doing for them. Hi, uh, my name is Bobby Pendergast. Thank you for your talk. Uh, just in, in uh, response to Diane's comment, I lived in Ontario 26 years, and we used to get a printout of our medical expenses for the year, th what we cost the system. And it's, I think it's really important that people realize that what, you know, what the costs are and, and that they're not, that that would cost them <laughs> out of their pocket if they didn't, yeah. have that. So they, pr I think that could be done. Just send them a bit, their statement, their invoice at the end of the year. This is how much you cost the system this year. And so if you had to pay that yourself, this is how much you would pay. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just the, the monetary cost, of course. It's the kind of society that... Oh, that yeah. yeah, that's true. It, it would clarify that, that part of things. But... Um, the kind of society, I mean, we, we've made the choice. We've made the choice in Canada that we want Medicare. And, uh, you know, we continually have to, uh, you know, fight back against it. I, it's too bad. It, it maybe stops us from going further into the second stage, the prevention model, if all we're doing is, is fighting to retain the first stage. Uh, just a minute. Uh, this will Thanks be our last much. question. Sorry. Thanks very much for your, your address, Peter Green. Uh, I do have a question uh, because of an uncertainty in my mind where you draw the line between public and private. Uh, for instance, the Radiology Associates, as I understand it, is a private organization, and, but it, doesn't, it seems to be financed through the healthcare system. And I wonder, is that one of the kind of organizations that you would be objecting to? And if not, where do you draw the line? And where do you think that, that uh, pri private is not valid but public is? Uh, you, uh, you know, is, is there some, uh, uh, some uh, intermingling here that is, is, is acceptable? Thank you. Um, well, there's two, two points, I think. One is um, whether you have a, 
a single payer, which we do have, um, you know, that's public uh, payment for healthcare. We, we do have a model where most doctors uh, are independent businessmen. They're getting, uh, you know, they're running their own business. They're hiring, you know, staff in their offices and they're getting paid by the public system, but they're not on salary. Um, there's another level of argumentation about whether you should have public delivery or private delivery of health services, which is what I think you're speaking to. Um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a large amount of research on that point, and I think there's examples, um, like for example, uh, the delivery of um, dialysis in the United States is paid for publicly. But there was um, a, a shift to some very large companies who were delivering, who, who sort of uh, gained the, um, you know, the market in dialysis and were buying patients from doctors who were, who were selling them their patients. So since the, the funding was public, there was guaranteed income there. But the, the outcomes of that are, are, are seen now to be detrimental because if you look at the world stats, the uh, um, the costs and the are are greater and the outcomes are less in that private Americanized delivery system. Um, I can't, you know, I mean, it's 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 there's there is some argumentation around whether all uh, medical services should be publicly delivered. And there's not much argument at all over whether they should all be publicly paid for, which in Canada we do have public payment and some private delivery. So, um, but this is the kind of question I think that would be best addressed with um, a primum non no care. You would look at a complex system and you would say, first do no harm. And then you would you wouldn't go in into that with uh, you know and uh, uh, other than the idea of how can we best uh, manage the system, but we first we don't want to do any harm. And I think those examples coming out of where you have a private delivery and public payer they don't look they don't look to be the best model. Yeah, thank you very much, James. This has been most informative. And I hope to see you all here next week to hear the talk on, I have to refer to the notes here, the uh, necessity of transmission line upgrades in Alberta. So have a good week. Thank you.